Hello, everybody, and thank you for tuning in to the Liberty Report. With us today as co-host is Daniel McAdams. Daniel, welcome to the program. Greetings, Dr. Paul. How are you this morning? Doing fine, and we had to adjust a little bit. Our technician wasn't available and won't be available for a couple of days. We had to give him a couple of days off, so we did an SR. <laughs> but, but anyway, um, with assistance coming from Chris and you, I'm working my computer. They said, just turn this switch on, start talking, and you'll be a computer expert. And I'm going to be the computer expert, and you're going to be the expert on our program today. Well, anyway, we'll talk about it. So uh, there was a lot of news yesterday. I keep wanting to phase out and move away from the nitty gritty of, uh, of things going on in politics. But, you know, recently I got involved in libertarian politics, went out to Reno for their convention and participated in that. And there's been a lot more interest. I don't know whether that's much of a polling operation about what's going on in uh, in the world of politics, but something is going on. I mean, it has been deteriorating for so long. It's been so bad for many, many decades, many, many years. And the last two years have been pretty bad. So it, it's been a mess. And uh, right now, though, uh, the people have been uh, rebelling against what we, they've had uh, from uh, Biden, you know, and they're saying, you know, he's, look at what he's done. He's caused all these problems. And there's a lot of misinformation out there. So that's that's what's going on. But there were some elections yesterday. And I would say those individuals who are hoping for some change, always hoping for change. But uh, when we talk about it among ourselves, we keep saying, yes, they talk good, but are they going to follow through? But anyway, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, what happened yesterday, because it looks like it's significant. It's sort of a continuation of the uh, uh, t t things that we have seen when people got sick and tired of the COVID lockdown, where the parents came out and they started rebelling against the establishment. And it, this looks like there's a, it's still some momentum on this, moving in the direction of, uh, of saying we've had enough of this. And uh, so there's been especially in California, there's some real rebels going on out there. You know, the DA I got with, uh, you know, removed from office and school boards have been challenged. So in those who are more in the Republican category or the anti big government uh, cultural Marxism, there's a little bit of room to say, well, maybe maybe this is uh, all going to uh, come out well. But I, I know one thing that a lot of noise at the beginning doesn't tell you how it's going to end up, especially if they win. You know, that's when that's when you have to be careful, because people over the many, many years and I've been involved in politics for a long time. So many people say that right things, they get elected and well, I'm going to do this and this. And, you know, there was a time, uh, Daniel, where, you know, the Republicans were considered the fiscal conservatives. But now how many people say, oh, this looks like we're going to get the Republicans in charge again. Oh, they're going to start balancing the budget. You know, people just laugh at it because because it is a joke. But anyway, Daniel, there were some positive things uh, going on in California and elsewhere. Let's hope that is a movement in the right direction. Yeah, you know, California is kind of the uh, the bellwether for what's going to happen because it's been so bad. And of California, the bellwether of California, I would say, is San Francisco, where I spend a bit of time living 
Uh, and it was bad 30 years ago, trust me, but it's gotten a lot worse now. And we had the, um, uh, the, uh, the recall this week of uh, Chesa Budin, uh, I think his name is pronounced, and he's the son of radical left-wing terrorists from the 60s, the underground weathermen. Uh, and he was uh, elected as the DA uh, in San Francisco with the help of George Soros. And this is the whole um, let people out of jail who hurt other people kind of thing, as long as they have the right politics. And, you know, it's a little uncomfortable on this, Dr. Paul, because it sounds like, you know, that we are um, encouraging the, uh, you know, the, the, t the tough police action, but it's actually not the case because these are politicized crimes. So, uh, you know, uh, robbers and, and, and rapists and murderers get out of jail uh, and, and, uh, and other people are put in. So anyway, they had a recall election against Budin, uh, kicked out by 61% in San Francisco. And that's pretty important when you look at, you know, the prevailing view of San Francisco. Uh, and there are a lot of interesting uh, demographic points about this, Dr. Paul, that we can get into a minute in a minute. But one of the things that's striking uh, is that this and a previous recall that we can talk about too, which is the school board of San Francisco, both of these were spearheaded by the local Chinese American community. Uh, and that's a community that tends to keep their heads down low when it comes to politics. But it seems to me, uh, at least, that uh, things have gotten so bad that they've decided to get involved and they've got involved in kicking out some of these highly ideological cultural Marxist types. So again, it's a bit of uh, good news if you'd like to see the decline of the radical wokeism, which is what we've seen in San Francisco. You know, behind most of these movements, they always have to have money. Sometimes it's honestly donated to individuals that they trust and believe in. And at other times, there's a lot of special interests uh, in, in many categories. There's certainly a lot of money involved in politics when it comes to the organizations like the military industrial complex or the pharmaceutical industry, this sort of thing. That's really where most of it comes. But there's also a few times when big money from a few individuals makes a difference. And uh, the, the one headline that I sort of uh, chuckled and, and enjoyed a bit. Uh, this is with us on Zero Hedge. It says San Francisco outs uh, Soros backed Uber progressive DA and recall vote. I'm not feeling sorry for Soros and uh, because he's been a very powerful influence. But uh, I think uh, just from my casual observation of that, I would say that uh, Soros has lost a little steam, not just because of this election, but I think he lost the election because he's been losing steam because he's been more identified because he existed for a long time and he had a lot of influence and he, he had influenced, uh, I think he was very shrewd. He got involved not only would say the president's race, and I'm going to you know name the next president, but he would get into the judicial system, judges and small uh, you know uh, organizations, and also uh, political offices that didn't seem too important. But he did; he infiltrated it, and that's why he's been very, very influential. And maybe this is going to be the reversal of that because. I don't think uh, he had uh, our interests at heart. I don't think that for a minute, because if you if you have libertarian beliefs, you believe the government should be limited and uh, you should have individual liber 
liberty and you should, uh, uh, you know, be, be able to live a life uh, without the harassment from government. The amazing thing, though, in spite of all that, I don't think you could just take it away and say he was some sort of, you know, individual that just didn't understand. He understood some things. He understand political power, but he understood financial markets over and above the political buying of, uh, of influence, because I, I think uh, people have given him credit for being astute. So he's been a very, very powerful. So maybe, maybe Daniel, this, uh, this election that, that we just had yesterday will be an additional sign that Soros's influence will be diminished as time goes on. And, you know, some people may scoff, Dr. Paul, when they hear you talk about cultural Marxism, uh, they think it's kind of a bogeyman term. But in the case of Boudin or Boudin or whatever you pronounce his name, um, you know, you can't be held re you know, responsible for the sins of your parents. But, you know, his parents both served, his father served 40 years in prison uh, for terrorism, for a, an attempted bank robbery. His grandfather was a Marxist theoretician. Uh, in Ukraine, who wrote books about Marxism. So the, at least the Marxism part of the cultural Marxism with these people, uh, particularly with this guy, uh, is absolutely accurate. Uh, but the other thing you suggested in your intro, and this is again what we're seeing in California politics, is back in March of 2022, there was another recall, and that was the recall of the San Francisco School Board. And that was a big deal. Again, uh, it was spearheaded by the Chinese community. And there's an article in USA Today written by a gentleman called Kat Lim, who talks about uh, why the Chinese Americans and, of course, the rest of San Francisco residents, 70% of them supported the idea of kicking out the school board. And one of the things that Kat Lim pointed out is the school board spent most of their time debating whether they should destroy a mural of George Washington at George Washington High School. They spent a bunch of time deciding to rename 44 schools in San Francisco because they were named after racists, probably, you know, Abe Lincoln, right? Um, and changing the merit-based admission at the famous Lowell High School to be a lottery uh, base. Remember they did that with Thomas Jefferson High in Virginia before the change happened. So that basically the school board is spending all its time on wokeism and on calling the Chinese white supremacists, as, as Lim points out in his article. And so they said, we've had enough. We're not going to do this anymore and recalled the school board. So school board gone, D uh, Soros DA gone. And now we're also watching uh, Los Angeles, very, very left-wing town, which is looking to be ready to elect as mayor, someone who is a Democrat, but up until now uh, identified and voted as a Republican. So not to endorse Republican or Democrat because we don't, but the idea is people are fed up with what's happening. They're fed up with the wokeism and the cultural Marxism. And maybe California is turning the corner to be a better place to live, who knows? You know, in a way, there's a little bit of encouragement there that the uh, process can be used. And we have mentioned, several, quite a few things uh, over the last two years where there's been some court rulings. There's still some decent judges and some decent uh, elected officials. 
But uh, th then again, if you look at the judicial system, if you look at what's happened with the, uh, uh, with the FBI and the CIA and how they've been involved in all the, uh, you know, Russia gate, I mean, it, it gets so overwhelming. It's just like a heavy burden. How are we, all going, to, how are we ever going to clean, clean that up? But the whole thing is we don't have a whole lot of choices. Uh, we're not going to take up arms, but we want to take up armaments with better ideas. And uh, I think in a way, some of these victories, whether it's with the PTA or an election here, it has been done with uh, ideas. Not matter of fact, not it's good to put out the positive ideas and say freedom is best. But the other thing that's helping us right now is uh, authoritarianism is a bummer. <laughs> you know. Yeah. <laughs> That's a bumper sticker. <laughs> That's the one we need. <laughs> when you look at it, people are saying, this isn't working out so well. Maybe Soros, he might be rich, but I don't think he knows anything about freedom and about prosperity for the average person. So that's, uh, that, that, that means that... Uh, we shouldn't give up. There's vehicles, and uh, this ele this election, there are some benefits in there. And as, as time goes on, we will find out. But still, I so strongly believe that the basic fundamentals is getting the attitudes of the people to uh, change their minds about dependency on government. And I think in the last uh, year or so, uh, that whole thing on COVID may have backfired on the authoritarians because it has awakened a lot of people in a positive sense. Uh, they didn't go woke. They just awakened themselves to what, what's the best thing to do. So for me, I, I think that uh, we, we should look at that, but keep doing what I believe we have to do is explaining it, telling what's happening and why on principle it's the right thing to do. It's, uh, it's uh, the moral high ground. It's the constitutional high ground. And all these things are on our side. And I've always argued, we probably don't do a good enough job presenting our message. And right now, I think the field is fertile and we uh, shall and will continue presenting this message for liberty. And the second topic we wanted to touch on today is goes back to the COVID, Dr. Paul. And this is something that came out in a very mainstream publication, which is Washington, uh, which is the McClatchy uh, news Bureau, uh, and the article is headlined, Why Are Boosted Americans Testing Positive for COVID More Than Those Without the Extra Shot? Uh, and again, a mainstream publication, and their answers may be different than some might have, but they're citing data from the CDC showing that people that have gotten their boosters seem to be more vulnerable to catching COVID than people who have not gotten the boosters. That raises a lot of questions. No one knows the answer, but it certainly is a question that's worth asking. Yes, and, and you know, we can look at this and look for the positive side. We have the story, we know this, we're not surprised that uh, we're reading what they're saying. McClatchy is not exactly part of, uh, you know, the far right who's telling all the truth about what, what these things are about. And we haven't heard that he's, anybody's been arrested for saying this. Well, my goodness, this is close to saying, well, maybe it was natural immunity that helped. You know, they didn't take the, sh they didn't take the booster shots 
and maybe natural immunity kicked in and that's why I was better off. That's why I was very fascinated what we reported yesterday, how uh, the country that had the least amount of immunization had the largest number of people who were who were protected. I guess, of course, that was India and uh, the people who had all the boosters. So this is just another story to show that nobody suffered by not following the dictates, a bunch of medical authoritarians and Dr. Fauci. So this, this to me is, is good. And, uh, but the best part is this hope, uh, let's just hope that nobody gets arrested today for suggesting this and then, or because that'll ruin my, that'll ruin my day of optimism. So, but anyway, I, I think, uh, I think it's good information. Uh, I think when the dust settles, and they know everything possible because the information is out there. And it's strange, even the enemy will collect that. The CDC is going to have a lot of information of people who complain about the illnesses and things that happen, the side effects. So the information is there dissecting that out and allowing the people who are skeptical of this. And there's a lot of good scientists. Matter of fact, uh, we happen to believe that uh, most of those who at least wanted a chance to discuss it and have a debate, like all things should be debated, including medical and when I was, uh, uh, you know, learning about medicine, that was the whole thing. You're supposed to talk about it and visit and uh, discuss and learn. It was, it was a, a continual process. But no, that wasn't the case when uh, everybody became hysterical over COVID. So I, I think information like this is very, very beneficial. And uh, we shouldn't be shocked. And so how did this happen? Well, I I, th I think when the dust settles, you'll probably find out that maybe there was something natural about not giving those shots that uh, has helped. And maybe there was something abnormal about the people that had all those shots. Uh, it wasn't doing any good at all. Well, we, we, we don't know. You're right. And it is a big question mark. And in all fairness and accuracy, the article doesn't say don't take the shots. Of course, it wouldn't do that. Uh, it really it merely just uh, compares those that have had the regular course of shots versus those who have gone on and gotten the booster. And the CDC statistics show that those who have gone on beyond and gotten boosters seem to fare worse than those who have just gotten the basics. Uh, they still contend that those without them are, are catching it a lot. But you know, this is interesting because CNN uh, had an article today saying that the US has a very serious problem with vaccine uptake. And you gotta wonder why, well, maybe because stories like this are suggesting to people that there's not a lot of benefit in taking uh, the boosters, at least. We don't know. Uh, you know, and there's an interesting article, Dr. Paul, that I noticed just before we, we came on the air. Um, Virology Journal, which is a medical journal, a highly respected medical journal, published a letter uh, uh, from a cardiovascular surgeon from Japan called Kenji Yamamoto. And he actually called in this journal for ending all COVID booster shots. And his rationale was a Lancet study, again, not a radical organization, you know, with one blip, they've been a tried and true mainstream publication, a Lancet study from Sweden, uh, published this February, uh, that found a negative effectiveness, i.e. lower immunity, eight months after people have gotten the booster shot. And Dr. Yamamoto says with this data that the Lancet has published, uh, considering some of the risks of getting the boosters, they should all 
be stopped right now until we have more data as to why more boosters seem to me a worse overall immunity from disease. You know, there's uh, another issue dealing with uh, the political system right now, and that has to do with Liz Cheney. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> she, uh, she is uh, very much involved and, uh, you know, she uh, got to be on the uh, January 6th uh, uh, hearing committee illegally, unconstitutionally, immorally, and in your face with what the Democrats did. And that's why that whole, that whole issue is just a farce, uh, because uh, the, the couple Republicans that were reasonably decent that would have maybe asked for different information, they got kicked off by Pelosi. Well, you, you know, I, I got to think it, that, should be, that should have been a mis, mistrial. I wonder, wonder if they didn't even have the ability to file for, for a, a, you know, a mistrial, because because to kick the, the opposition, and what about all the films that were available? Thousands of hours. The one thing is Republicans weren't really allowed to look at this kind of stuff, uh, but the Democrats were allowed to cherry pick it and use it to prove, uh, you, you know, the, uh, the takeover of the United States government that wasn't really happening. Uh, so that, that is something, but she's in the middle of this and there's gonna have this uh, uh, prime hearing, I guess, uh, tomorrow night or something. But uh, the big thing here is uh, what, what's, what will happen to her? Has she stirred up enough trouble with Republicans that she won't be reelected again? Uh, I, I have no idea. I haven't followed it that closely. But uh, if the system works right, I, I cannot see how if this would be beneficial for people of Wyoming or the Republican Party or anybody seeing her get reelected. Not that she has different views, but that uh, it's a sort of a sinister thing because it's, uh, it's deception. And then she works hand in glove with those individuals that can kick off uh, a reasonable person and put her on there and say, oh, well, this is a serious matter. We're investigating, you know, the insurrection. And, uh, and there's not a whole lot of people shouting. There are, but they don't get much attention on the major network. But uh, she's going to be in the news here in the next couple of days. And uh, maybe it'll start uh, to be sorted out and find out that maybe her popularity has dwindled in Wyoming, which is the most important state for her to deal with. Yeah, and this may be, uh, you know, this may be the last ditch effort of the Democrats to try to do something to head off, uh, you know, what looks like a pretty dismal uh, fall election season for them. Uh, and this is the the uh, televised January six hearings are starting today in prime time. All the networks have dutifully, you know, moved, pushed their programming aside uh, to have. Uh, live hearings about Dr. Paul, the coup that almost happened, the street revolt that almost happened, right? The revolution in the streets that almost happened. And as you point out, Liz Cheney, calling herself a Republican, has joined with Pelosi on this, uh, on this commission. She was appointed by Pelosi, uh, as was Kinzinger. And um, a lot of Republicans are eager to see the back of Cheney, uh, not just Liz Cheney, but the entire Cheney family. But it does make you wonder about the elections coming up. Um, they can't run on the economy. Um, the Putin price hike is not, as we've seen in polling and talk on this show, that's not sticking with Americans. They can't run on defeating COVID because they wanted to keep the restrictions in place. 
They can't really run on anything except that Republicans are evil and Trump is a bad guy and Russia uh, still wants to take over the U.S. None of these things are resonating very much with Americans. And I think that's why we want to keep our eye on these uh, hearings going on, the January 6th hearings. And we're going to be taking a close look at the polls and seeing how Americans react to what seems like a last-ditch effort uh, to try to salvage something uh, in advance of the November elections. Very good. Uh, you know, these, uh, these hearings, I think, will be uh, in, very informative. And, you know, the uh, Republicans right now uh, are, are, you know, being charged with insurrection, serious thing, and, uh, you know, be, being willing to overthrow our, our government. And uh, they, they talk about, uh, you know, coups I've used, and, and not carelessly, because I'm very serious about uh, what I thought happened in the, in the 1960s, because when you look at in detail the assassination of JFK, uh, you realize that in some ways that uh, the people who were involved very, very likely uh, being the Justice Department and the CIA and the FBI, these various groups have been implemented in, in this. And this, this to me uh, is a big deal, but it was in the 60s where there really was a major shift in social and uh, and uh, economic matters, and uh, when you when you think about what's happened since then, but I think there's a continuation of that. Although I believe that there, that a coup there, but I think in recent years, as a consequence of people like Soros and others infiltrating the system, that uh, right now I don't think anybody can brag about the justice system, the Department of Justice, and the FBI. I mean, it it, is, it just isn't it isn't like there's uh, there's a true government there and that there, there's a control by the cultural Marxists. And they had a big burst of energy here in these last couple of years. And they, how do they do it? They've been involved in, in this type of operation of philosophically taking over the government. And at the same time, what do they do? They have all the noise about the, the insurrection that wasn't an insurrection. And that's how powerful the people who are in charge right now but it's not permanent it does it can't it doesn't have to last but it won't go away without the people waking up and participating and uh, just remember if anybody ever gets discouraged about this and say well we how are we ever going to get half the people to agree with it you don't have to you have to just get the people who have an influence who are ideological and uh, our revolution was carried about by about eight or nine percent of the population that said it was time to get rid of tyranny and uh, that's the way it is now and and we have those numbers growing and i think there's cracks in their system right now and therefore i think we should take advantage of that and and not come down and say the only reason you need uh, uh, the libertarian people is because these other people are so bad. Yeah, point out all those dumb mistakes. But the big thing is to point out all the positive aspects of what it would be like to live in a society that emphasizes peace and prosperity. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today to the Liberty Report. Please come back soon. <laughs>